Good morning, everybody. It's really glad to see you today. Well, today we get to talk about mourning. Now, you know, I know you're thinking, the one Sunday I show up to church, they talk about a topic like mourning. Today, we, like Raquel said, we're in um, the second week of our series called B. We're looking at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, if you could turn there. Last week, Chad talked about blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Today, we're talking about blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, before we get going, I want to read through the... Um, the Beatitudes. And we're going to do something. We usually don't do this. Would you mind standing um, as we read these uh, Beatitudes, if you're able? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. You can be seated. You know, if, you, if you've been around the church at all, um, you may have the impression that followers of Jesus are kind of, um, you know, they're always, they always have that surprise slash happy look on their face, you know. Like everything's awesome all the time, all the time is awesome, right? And maybe kind of the glad hand or the slap you on the back. Hey, how you doing? You know, everything's fine. My my, uh, family is from the South. My mom's from Mississippi. And like that, right? Like everyone's fine, right? There's no other personal situation than fine. And then we get to the reality of life and we look at verse four, blessed are those who mourn. And you, you know, maybe you're not around church, and you're new to this, you're new to even this, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. This is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And you think, so I, I, I got a divorce last year. Am I, am I, I'm mourning, am I blessed? Right? right? I'm estranged from my child. Or, you know, I got this diagnosis last week, like, am I blessed because of that? You know, I've never um, really experienced a lot of major heartbreak in my life, my young life. Um, I've lost a, some grandparents, but that's about it. But I'm entering a season in life. Um, my, my wife's due um, in November 20, 25th of, you know, soon. So I'm entering this season of life very soon. Um, <clears throat> I'm entering the season of life where... Deborah and I, like, we are opening ourselves up to a whole new world of mourning, right? Like, not AM one, but mourning. No, but no, but seriously, doesn't matter, right? How many carrots Deborah eats, right? How much, like, 
tummy cream she rubs. Like our child may be autistic. Our child may have some other serious physical you know, disability, or our child may grow up just fine and have want, want nothing to do with us when he or she gets older. Right? And some of you have that ex- maybe have experienced, and you're seeing this blessed are they that mourn as just preposterous. Because it does seem a little weird, right? You know, I think something a little more is at stake here. So this is the second line in Jesus' magnum opus, the Sermon on the Mount. And if his second line is preposterous, it's ridiculous, blessed are those who mourn, then can we trust the sermon? And can we trust Jesus? So my goal today, as we look at this, uh, this beatitude, is to do three things. First, we're gonna look at what does Jesus mean when he says, blessed are those that mourn. And we're gonna look at a little chart of what, what Jesus is not talking about, okay? Second, we're gonna look at the implications for our lives or your life, if you're a follower of Jesus. And then third, we're gonna look at the comfort part. What are we comforted in? What are we comforted by? So before we do that, let me, uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good to send your son Jesus who died on the cross for our sin. He rose again and ascended to the Father. He's coming again. Lord, through him we have salvation. But Lord, he also taught and preached. And through him we know the life that leads to joy and peace and goodness. Lord, uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear truly what Jesus is saying when he says, blessed Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Lord, help us. May your Holy Spirit be present. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, the first step we need to make in order to understand what this beatitude is, we've got to look at these two words, blessed and mourn. Maybe if we look at those verses, we'll get a better picture of what it means uh, when people are blessed uh, when they're mourning. Okay, so I did my word study and everything. Blessed very common word. It simply means happy, fortunate, favored. Just a normal word. Mourning. Oh, maybe this is a nuanced word. Maybe it doesn't really mean mourning. Nope. It just means mourning, lamentation, sorrow. Happy are those who are sorrowful. Blessed are those who mourn. Okay, so we know that Jesus is not just like... Um, deranged, right? He's not like dumb. He knows what those verses mean. So let's look at it a different way. You'll see on the screen, inside that circle, blessed are those that mourn. This is what Jesus means, but outside the circle, you'll see some things come up that is not what Jesus means. Inside the circle, that's what Jesus is getting out. Outside the circle is not what he's getting at. All right, so let's look at what this Blessed are those that mourn does not mean. First, it's not blessed are those that have bad things happen to them. 
See, Christ in the Sermon on the Mount is teaching to the workaday world, right? Farmers, laborers, normal folks. People work on a farm, probably been injured. They've probably lost children without the modern medical technology we have today, right? And he is in that space of people that are normal, have normal lives. You know what happens to people who have normal lives? Bad things happen to them. Right? We're, right, we don't live in that world of rainbows and unicorns and lucky charms and everything's just awesome all the time. Nothing bad ever happens. That's not your story. That's not the story of the people that Jesus is preaching to. And what he's not saying is blessed are those that bad things happen to. See, bad things are still bad things. Diagnosis, the breakup, the you know, the, the death, all those things are still bad things. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says this, each day has enough trouble of its own, right? And we get that, I think. Ephesians 5, 16 says, the days are evil. And scripture's not teaching that 24-hour periods are evil or like the time the sun is up is evil. But it's saying that like our space, the world that we live in is evil. Our, you know, there's inherent goodness, but the things that happen, you can, it doesn't take much. You know, you go on the, watch the news, you can see that the days are evil. So when Jesus is saying, blessed are those that mourn, he's not saying, blessed are those who have bad things happen to them. Nor is Jesus saying, blessed are those who have an insulated life. You see, an insulated life or an attempt to have an insulated life is an attempt to insulate our lives from all those bad things that could probably happen to us, right? We see this in many ways in our culture. I think one of the ways we see it is an overemphasis on diet and exercise, right? You know, no matter how many, you know, protein shakes you drink, it doesn't matter, uh, you know, how many Pilates sessions you make it to, we are all losing the war against gravity in the grave, right? It's all down, right? It's like, you're, like the end of your life is not, you're not just gonna, right? So what we do is we kind of insulate, our, try to insulate our lives from all things that, are, that are, are bad. We do this in our health. We do this the way we live. You know, we, we gotta move out to a place where everyone's like us. Everyone's our same socioeconomic situation. Our kids won't be around those other bad kids out there in that other you know, area. It, we, we, we do on by the way we live, but I think the most, um, the clearest way that we try to insulate our lives from bad things is by keeping relationships at arm's length. See, probably when you think of mourning, an area of the most mourning, the most hurt in your life is probably an estranged or broken relationship, right? The divorce, the child, and what happens, I think, over time is people d- devise a scheme to keep relationships at arm's length. They say, hey, a relationship, if I open myself up to a relationship, I'm opening myself up to hurt and heartbreak. But if I can just wall off my world, I got a, two or three friends here, I got my little job here, I'm going to do this. If I can just insulate my life, then I can keep bad things out. And that's the tough guy or the tough girl at high school. I don't need friends. I don't need anybody, right? It's the uh, mid-career uh, man who's like, 
hey, I don't need friends. I'm fine. I'm good. It's the young adult who just keeps, keeps those romantic relationships at arm's length because if I, if I open myself up to that, I might get hurt. And it's the, 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 the older man or older woman who just wants to be left alone. Just, just leave me alone. You see, the problem with that, if you're a follower of Jesus and you understand the Bible, that Scripture tells us that the, um, the church is the body of Christ. So what that means is you are stuck for eternity with the people in the chairs next to you. Okay, like it or not, right? We are stuck together. 1 Corinthians 12 says, but that members may have the same care for one another. One member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We are all stuck together, whether you like it or not. But what Jesus is saying when it comes to mourning, it's not blessed are those who have bad things to them, and it's not blessed who have an insulated life devoid of any bad things, and thus cut off from our relationships and opportunities to serve and love and care. All right. Not blessed are those, are, are those that have bad things happen to them. Not blessed are those that have an insulated life. Next, not blessed are those who are unaffected. You see, I think that's common in our culture, right? Something terrible happens. Something heartbreaking happens. And I think our culture's changing in this way, but some of us still feel, I'm just supposed to be tough. I'm just not supposed to let that situation, the loss of a job, loss of a pet, right? I'm not supposed to let any of that affect me. I'm tough. I don't show weakness. Or this is expressed by, hey, I don't care. Apathy, eh, no big deal, whatever, you know, it doesn't bother me. Both of those, those uh, affronts, stoicism, tough guy, apathy, I don't care, both of those show that that person does not understand or live by the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Both of those are expressions of pride. I'm too tough, I'm too awesome, nothing affects me, I don't care, nothing's important enough for me to care, I'm above it all. Jesus is not saying, blessed are those who mourn, are not blessed are those who just stay out of it, or unaffected, or don't care. Because if you're that way, you don't understand the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. All right, finally. Jesus is saying, blessed are those that mourn, not blessed are those that despair. Despair is mourning minus hope. Despair is mourning without any hope. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14 says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Because of Christ, 
There should be no room in the heart of a follower of Christ for despair. Because no matter what, we always have hope. All right. Blessed are those that mourn is not. Blessed are those that have bad things. Blessed are those who have an insulated life. Blessed are the unaffected or blessed are those that despair. All right, Josh. So I think we kind of get at what Christ is saying. So what does that mean for my life? What does that mean for my normal everyday existence? Well, let's look at, let's look, four things. First is those that mourn, those that have a heart of mourning that are blessed are those that take human death seriously. Human death, the first term miscarriage, the beautiful elderly person past their 100th birthday, all human death is an occasion to mourn. Why? Because we learn in our Genesis series that death was not originally a part of God's plan. Because of sin and sin's entrance in the world through Adam and Eve, our bodies and our world were ransacked by brokenness. And part of the brokenness we have that we experience as humans is human death. Every human death is an occasion for mourning. And, you know, my dad's a pastor, um, so I've kind of been around the church. And, you know, I hesitate to talk about this. I'm just going to mention it, though. Funerals serve an important part in the life of a, of a follower of Jesus. And I've been to some, some, maybe a funeral where there's a beautiful older lady who loved Jesus, served people, was kind, just got better with age, and then she goes and dies. And I've heard some uh, you know, people like, hey, we're not going to do a f- funeral. We're having a going home celebration. We're just, it's, this isn't sad. This is great. You know, I turn that frown upside down. She's in a better place. But scripture teaches that human death is an occasion for mourning. Jesus modeled that for us in John 1. And you may have heard uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 55 quoted in, a, in many uh, funerals. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Kind of like, hey, no big deal, we die, whatever. Let me read the whole context there, verse, starting in verse 53. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a, uh, maybe you're, you're married or have a, a, a dear loved one, two things will happen. Either that relationship will break up, and there's mourning there, or if that relationship even lasts for your entire life, one day you will stand over your spouse's casket or she or he will stand over yours. And you can point to that casket and say, that is the sting of sin. 
human death is an occasion for mourning. It's a big deal. But we do not mourn as those who have no hope. Because God, through his son Jesus, will one day raise us up to new life bodily. (laughs) We don't just spirits float away and that's it. Christ will come back bodily. Well, Josh, how will I look? I have some preferences in that matter. I don't know how you will look, but we will be bodily. Joshua, I thought absent with the body, present with the Lord. That's true. That's in scripture. But the original plan, present with the body, present with the Lord, because that's what eternity will be. We will be present with the Lord Jesus Christ in our body. You know, and I think uh, uh, the, the Welsh poet Dylan Thomas, he's got a better picture of the biblical view of, of human death. He wrote a, a poem for his dying father, and this is the last stanza. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Part of mourning and part of the blessed life is mourning human death. Let's keep going. Part of living a life of mourning that's blessed is that we foster deep relationships. We don't insulate ourselves from others. All throughout the New Testament, you see these things called one another's. Things we're supposed to do for one another. Romans 12.10, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens. Colossians 3.16, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. 1 Peter 4.8, keep loving one another earnestly. You can't do those if you have no relationships. (laughs) So part of living a blessed life that comes through mourning is you open your life up to relationships and you open your life up to hurt, right? To pain, to vulnerability, and to joy and to love and to peace that comes with having a relationship that you love one another. Living the blessed life that comes through mourning means that we mourn in our hearts our own sin and the suffering and sin in the world. Again, scripture teaches that Jesus himself taught that this misery and death that we see all all around us was not a part of the plan. We see that Jesus himself was moved by emotion constantly. He wept over Jerusalem, not only the people in Jerusalem that would reject him, but the terrible situation that would happen when the Romans would come and just waylay the temple in the city of Jerusalem in AD 70. Jesus mourned the presence of sin in the world, and we as believers must mourn the presence of sin in our own hearts and the world around us. Listen, those that have a blessed life that comes through mourning are not those that keep scrolling their Facebook page 
win reports of, the, of abuse and death in the Middle East or terrible things that happen in our world. It does not happen. The blessed life does not happen when we just keep it out away from our eyes. Rather, we enter into it and we work for the good of all those around us as we desperately cling to Christ to renew our own hearts. And I am in the middle of this process as well. Last night, my wife and, and my mom and little sister were in town, and we were at, the, we were at B-Spot in, in um, Strongsville. I just snapped at my mom. She drove out here, had a wedding, you know, a baby shower. I just snapped at her. And honestly, I have not, um, uh, she was asleep when I left, so I haven't asked her forgiveness. But she's coming for the 11, and I will ask for forgiveness. But that's just the, the thing in my own heart. I am in the process, and I grieve the fact that my heart pulls me away, and my alignment is not always toward Christ. And we need to mourn that. We need to grieve that in our own lives and our own hearts. Finally, believers, followers of Jesus, don't despair in this life. Again, 1 Thessalonians 4 says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep or those who are dead, that you may not grieve as others who do, who have no hope. Terrible things happen, but we grieve and we mourn, not in the way of despair. We don't despair as believers. As followers of Jesus, we don't despair. You know what that means too? The fact that our, sin is, that our bodies are broken. Sin has wrecked our lives and our hearts. If we do fall in despair, into despair and our bodies deceive us and want to run us off the road, then we are willing to go to any lengths possible, including medical, to keep from despair. Our bodies are broken, so that means medicine for depression, for anxiety, is a way God can move us in the direction that he wants us to. If you, str- if you have a bodily ailment, you have a bodily pain, you have psychological struggles, you may need more faith, and you may need meds. Some of you may never get off your meds for your shoulder, for your back, or for your mind. Our bodies are wrecked. And we must be open to all areas in our world to keep from despair. Knowing that one day there will be no need for Paxil. There will be no need for Oxycontin. There will be no need for Ritalin or for a Band-Aid, because Christ is coming again. He will establish his new kingdom. He will give us new bodies, and we'll live with him for eternity. But not yet. And in this life, we're blessed when we mourn our sin, the sin of the world, but let it not lead to despair. So as followers of Jesus, and maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're checking this out. I hope that you hear what Jesus is saying and you say, you know what? That's not my life, but I want that 
to be my life. Because Jesus is the truth. He is the life. He came to give us an abundant life and obedience to Christ. The result is pure and full joy in John 15. Man, Josh, this is kind of a downer sermon. <laughs> Morning. All right, let's look at the second part, okay? Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And again, you say, Josh, I hear you. Okay, I can understand mourning and the need for that in the life of a, of a person. But how am I comforted by the diagnosis of my child? How am I comforted by the third ectopic pregnancy? How am I comforted by looking around and my brothers and my friends back in high school are now dying? How am I comforted by that? Well, we are comforted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the cross, by the empty tomb, by the bodily resurrection, and by Christ's second coming. You know what the cross says? The cross says that the worst thing humanity could think of, the killing of God's own son, was flipped on its head, become the tool to invite all to have forgiveness and repentance, be freed from guilt, and be filled with peace. That's what the cross says. The empty tomb says that our greatest enemy, death, is defeated. John Donne, one of my favorite poems, he says, at the end of a, a long sonnet, he says, death, thou too shall die. Death is like a bee who's stung. It stings, there's poison, but it's there, you know, kind of writhing because its time is, it's cut short. Death will die. And the fact that Jesus defeated death and rose again means that even our greatest fear and our greatest enemy has no chance. And that mourning is but a season. Those who are in Christ are put in the ground. That's like a, a temporary dwelling, right? It's, it's gonna be changed. That's not the end. We have comfort in that, even though we mourn the absence of our loved ones. Jesus' second coming is a great comfort for us. What he says, what scripture says, that Christ will come again, resurrect our bodies, and we will have brand new bodies. Well, Josh, you know, I, I don't get it. What would that look like? I don't know. It's really not important. But we do know that after Jesus rose from the dead, he was able to eat fish, touch people, but walk through locked doors. I don't know what that means, but what I do know what that means is we'll have a physical, bodily existence, and we can see our loved ones anytime we want, whether gone, dead, alive, whatever. We'll be able to see our friends anytime we want, and Christ will be there, and there will be no ulterior motives. There will be not the family reunion that's like the Cold War, right? That all will be stripped away, and we'll just be able to love one another because Christ is coming in. Not only that, you see in, 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 Re in Revelation chapter 2, Christ died, broke 
marginalized leader on a cross, naked. He's coming back as a king and a judge. You look at, at Revelation 2, he means business. And what that, but what that, how that comforts us is he is going to wipe clean the rulers and the systems and powers that keep us in sin, in our own hearts. And there will be no ISIS. There will be no terrorism. Christ will come and renew and set up his eternal kingdom. And we have a perfect king and a perfect judge that his only law will be peace. His only rule will be joy. And we will live with one another with him. See, that's the comfort. We mourn, but not as one who has no hope. Because mourning is a season. It might be your entire life. It should be your entire life. But we have comfort knowing Christ died, rose again, and he's coming again. All right, Joshua, I've been waiting for Christ to come again for quite some time. Where is he? 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, why? So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. If you've ever lost a child, no one, feel, no one knows what you, your pain other than someone else who's lost a child. So part of the work to be done here is your experiences you faced, you use those to bring comfort to others that experience the same experience, this same affliction. You know, you, you know, I'm, I'm 100% sure there are people here who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus. You say, Josh, I see some of that stuff. Okay, I, I kind of get it. But, you know, I'm just not willing to go down that road of mourning. I'm just, I'm just not interested. You got to, if, you're, if you want to be a follower of Jesus. If you have yet to put your faith and trust in Jesus and you just, you just refuse to mourn, you've got to do it today because you've got to mourn the sin in your own heart. You've got to say, Christ, help me. I need you. I mourn. I grieve the sin, the harm that I've done to myself, and the harm I've done to others. And if you do that, he will send the Holy Spirit, who he calls the comforter, into your life and give you a seal stamped, a deposit that will be deposited when he comes again. And you will, in the life of mourning, have the comfort and joy and peace that can only come from a life given over to Christ. Well, just a few quick things. Just some challenges for you this week. Next, the next social situation you're in, awkward social situation, we have like three, you know, and you stand in line and you know, you don't, you're not talking to anyone or whatever, or you're at work. I want to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to do this. Keep your phone in your pocket. Right? Like, that's what we do. Like, I'm in line at Chipotle. I better get my phone, you know. <laughs> so, you know, avoid eye contact at any way possible. I'd encourage you, give it a shot. Maybe there's someone there 
that you can comfort with the comfort God's given you through the affliction you've been through. Open yourself up to a relationship. Just a thought. Second, I encourage every one of us to go on World Vision's website. World Vision is a Christian world relief organization. And read up on some of the stuff going on in the Middle East and, and all the work that World Vision has done. Um, we, should, we should know about what's going on and we should grieve what's going on. We should pray for and be motivated to action, to give and to give our time and our hearts and our efforts. World Vision, go check it out and read what's going on, especially with the, the followers of Jesus who would be killed if, if we would all be dead if it was parts of the country were doing what we're doing today. And finally, some of you, especially men, I assume that you probably haven't mourned a loss. Maybe you're told, you, sh- you know, stuff it in, apathy or, um, you know, tough guy thing and, You've got it all in there. You haven't given it. You haven't mourned it through. I encourage you this week, go on a walk. Go through the metro parks and just be open to God using your emotions to change your heart. Just be open to it. And maybe you're walking and maybe it's a loss, a death, or whatever. And you begin, if you begin to be emotionally moved, allow that to happen. Maybe you're embarrassed. Well, go walk into the woods. You can find a log to sit on, you know, and you won't be embarrassed. You know, if you see another CVC guy there, just keep going to the next log, you know. (laughs) Be open to what God is doing. Be open for God to use your emotions to make you a better son, a better father, a better worker, a better man, a better Christian. Um, uh, Just just a final word. our community, the church body of Greater Northeast Ohio, experienced a loss uh, on Friday, I believe. Uh, Pastor Donald Schaefer, over at, at our dear friends at Grace Church in Middleburg Heights, uh, the you know 38 years as a pastor, 14 pastor emeritus, he he uh, he died this week, um, and we mourn that, but we mourn not as one who has no hope, but we know that he's he'll be in the grave, but he'll come out. <laughs> Christ will come again. So uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we trust you. Father, we, we trust that you do lead us in the blessed life. Lord, you lead us in the direction of more joy and peace and hope and love. Lord, the topic today, blessed are those who mourn, is not a fun thing, but Lord, may we May we look through it. May we look, may we look through our initial apprehension to see the comfort that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may we mourn, but wait expectantly for the Holy Spirit to work in our own hearts and lives, the comforter, and for you to send your son and say it's time to rule and reign here on earth. Lord, we long for that. May we work in our own hearts and our lives to See your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us mourn well. Help us be a a people that mourn, but mourn not as one has no hope. We love you. We pray for our our brothers and sisters over at at Grace Church. Um, Comfort them with the comfort that only you can provide. And uh, Lord, we thank you for your son. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.